Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to 2022. I'm Josh De La Rosa, the senior pastor here at Orange Crest Community Church. Thanks for joining us. Hey, as we turn the page from one year to the next, we're typically all thinking about evaluation, reflection, goal setting, self-improvement. I mean, you may have had a few extra days off, time to just sit there and maybe reflect on your life, your relationships, your health, your your entertainment choices, the way you spend your time having fun, you know, on and on, finances, career, education, your spiritual life. The way you use your time, this is the time we typically sit down and reflect and evaluate, and reflection is good, but how do we really come up with a good year? If you want to build a good year in 2022, well, I want to share a few things about that. A good year is made up of 12 good months. How do you put together 12 good months? Or another way of looking at it is a good year is made up of 52 good weeks. It's a lot of weeks, and sometimes you, you finish a week and you feel like, that was a great week. It was just, you know, everything I hoped to accomplish got done. Other other weeks we've had, you know, you think, ah, I really wish that I could have been gone on vacation that week because everything went horribly. It all seemed to fall apart. So how do you put together 52 good weeks? Or a good year also is made up of 365 good days. And so as you know, it's kind of obvious, but a good year is made up of many good days. So how do you come up with 365 good days, and we're already on day two of the year. You know, I want to break this down even further. We could even consider the days have many hours, 24 hours, but, you know, let's just say on average you're sleeping eight hours a day and you're awake for 16 hours, and so that's over, that's 5,840 hours of awake time. And we could even break that down even further into decisions. Like I've read some stats talking about how many decisions a person makes in a day, and Some stats say 35,000 decisions are made in a day. And so do the math and you you might have somewhere around 12 to 13 million decisions in a year. Now, those are moments in time when we think and then we act or we speak. But all of these different decisions, that can lead to what people refer to as decision fatigue. It's where there's just so many options and you're just overwhelmed. It can be so even crippling for us to be making all of these decisions. But, you know, how do we really put together a year's worth of good days? I want to look at that. Here's another related issue of this topic. It's we tend to think of the good days in our lives as the big days. Meaning, we we look at the, the highlight reel and we think those are the good days. Like graduation day, if you've graduated it's it's this huge accomplishment and you feel like I've I've done it I've arrived I've I've hit this accomplishment I didn't give up uh or maybe some other days big days that people would be looking forward to like marriage you know that that commitment day of marriage significant day if you've been married this is a significant moment in life promotion day uh if you have been promoted on the job it's something that you know you're hoping that you'll continue to do well in your career and that that will be acknowledged and that as you sharpen your skills and, and help the company move forward, that that, that would be recognized and, and maybe you'd be able to climb up the ladder on some level. 
or or purchasing a home. You know, for a lot of people, that's just this huge uh, longing in their life, and and that's that's a good day when that happens. Now, you may or may not have experienced those things, but we tend to think of of good days in our lives as the big days, but in reality, most of life is made up of routine and mundane days. Just those things we do because we live and we, we just, they're a part of our normal life. So many of our days are spent uh, more on the, the mundane. For example, work. How many of us spend so much of our life at work in our career? You may have multiple jobs through your life, but you know you're, you're spending a lot of days, a lot of hours, a lot of minutes, you know, on the job. Also, cooking meals, just feeding yourself. You know, whether it's fixing meals or eating meals, there's just a lot of time around food. Uh, another thing would be maintenance. You buy all of these different things, and you acquire possessions, and then some of them break down, and so you've got to fix some things. Uh, also, you have to clean some things up. Uh, things like your house, your living room, your office. Also, we spend a lot of time preparing for the next day. It's it's a lot of work, but you got to think through. You know, if you're at a job where you need to press your clothes, then do you need to iron those clothes the day before? If you're uh, needing to meal prep, how do you go about meal prepping for the day? And on and on. Paying bills is another example of some of the things we do. Just mundane, routine chores of our life. We have to pay bills. So when it comes to routine living, there's so much helpful perspective from the Bible. Because if we're talking about how to have and build a good year, you need to know how to build good days. Solomon, one king in Israel, he made this observation. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. It reads, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your strength. Meaning, he's saying, pour all of your energy into it. Expend all of your energy toward those routines, whatever your hand finds to do. And later he states in those verses that eventually you're going to die and that the work and the tasks and those activities, those routines that you did here and now will someday cease. And so now is the time to pour with all of your might, all of your energy into the focus of those activities. The New Testament says something very similar. Look at Colossians 3, verse 23. Paul writes this to the church He writes, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. And Paul, he's he's mostly referring to us on the job, but this is in a section of scripture where it talks about our 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 different relationships in our life, how we relate to the people in our life. And I think the idea is similar that whatever routines make up your life, whatever those things are, lean into it. So if you're a homemaker, or if you're on the job, uh, wherever you find yourself, lean into that uh, area of life. Use your force. Don't be half-hearted. Don't just sit there and watch the clock and hope that the minutes and hours pass by. But Paul's saying, hey, give yourself fully to the routines of your day, whatever those are. And Paul reminds us, we do all of this and we live our whole lives before the Lord. And so we're to work hard for him. Here's another verse that supports this idea. Look at Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. It reads, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. You can say that in so many different ways. Teach us to number our days carefully. Uh, We're just encouraged here to take account of our days. We need to look at our days with the right perspective, the proper perspective. 
And that perspective is that every day counts for something. There's a purpose for it. Every single day, there's an opportunity to be faithful every single day. There's also opportunities to be unfaithful with our lives and with our responsibilities. You know, life just keeps happening day after day, month after month, year after year. And it's it's easy to just sort of get going with whatever you're doing in life and not step back and look at the big picture of our life. And so we're encouraged to number our days carefully. Years ago, uh, a group uh, that I was with sat with one of our mentors who challenged us to count the number of days until we turned 70. And now we don't know how many days God may give us and if God will even allow us to live to be 70 years old. Some of you have already surpassed 70, but we really don't know how long we'll live. But this idea comes from Psalm chapter 90 as well. If you back up from Psalm 90:12, look at Psalm 90:10. It reads, "Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow, meaning our lives, the best of our lives are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they passed quickly." And we fly away. And what, what we learn here is God has numbered all of our days. God only knows that number. Now, for me, I'm 44 years old. That's, uh, for you, that may seem really old to you. Or maybe from, from your perspective, maybe that seems really young. Here's the thing. I, I have closely known five-year-olds who've died. I've also known 18-year-olds who've died. And, I, and I've known people who are 30 and 39, and and then people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s who've died. Now, God only knows the number of days that I have left, and it's the same for, for you. But if I were to live to 70 years old, then that means, and I did the math, that means I have, from today, 9,348 days until my 70th birthday. And that mentor who challenged me years ago, he's now well into his 70s. And in fact, several of my mentors are now approaching 70 years old. And some of you who are watching, you're thinking, I've already passed 70 years old, maybe even 80 years old. And the challenge, though, from Psalm 90.12 remains, whether you're 44, 14, 74, how can all of us number our days carefully? How can we make each one of them count? You know, here we are at the front end of the year looking forward towards 2022. What should we do with those days that lie ahead of us? So let's look at some very specific and very helpful guidance from Psalm 34 on how to have a good day. Now this comes from King David. King David wrote Psalm 34 uh, before he was king. The king at that time was a man named Saul who uh, first... There was a season when he really liked David, uh, but at this point, David had been appointed to be the next king, and Saul was threatened uh, by who would, this man David, who would be his predecessor. And people were even singing songs, songs that would uh, go like this: Saul has killed ten, or Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands, and that got to Saul, the current king. And so Saul began to pursue David in order to kill him. And God helped David escape several times, some very bad situations. And so he starts out Psalm 34 with a lot of thanksgiving. He's just grateful to be alive. <laughs> he, David is, 
he has gotten out of a pickle a time or two, and he finds himself once again just just expressing through song some gratitude. And then in verse 12, he gives us the instruction on how to have a good day. And so let's read that. Look at Psalm 34, verse 12. It reads, Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life, to enjoy what is good? You know, that's really the question that we're asking this time of year, isn't it? Who wants a good life? Look at that passage. Who wants a good life? I think all of us do. Deep down, we all would like to enjoy a good life, the life that we've been given. And I want to show you a few other versions of that that same verse, Psalm 34, 12. I'm going to show you three other English translations from the Bible. So look at this one, a very literal literal translation of the Hebrew, uh, the English Standard Version. What man is there who desires life? And loves many days that he may see good. Now here's a more modern, uh, almost a paraphrased translation, but a modern translation. Does anyone, this is the New Living Translation, does anyone want to live a, a life that is long and prosperous? Sort of, he's asking, anyone, anyone there out there that wants that? Listen up, he's about to tell us. He's about to tell us how to have that kind of life. Or here's the same uh, verse, Psalm 34, 12, but in the New International Version, uh, says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, and sort of like, wait for it, wait for it. So let's look at a plan for building good days. Psalm 34, the first thing he says is, hold your tongue. If you want to have a life of many good days, hold your tongue. So Psalm 34:13 reads, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from, from deceitful speech. One, one slip of our tongue, it can ruin a perfectly good day. Things can be going so well. But the tongue, the tongue has the power for good or evil. I mean, I could just have a really, really awesome week and month and just year. But one careless word can just do tremendous damage uh, to people in my life. And this is true for you as well. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And we need to keep that in mind. The tongue is powerful. We're to hold our tongue. We're to be careful with what we say. So here's a few specific goals related to that point. A few goals for our words. The first one is this. Aim to please God, not myself. Psalm 19.14 reads, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We want God to be pleased with what we say. This prayer in that psalm right there reflects what it really means to respect God and to really believe that he is listening and that he's with us. If our if our goal is to please God, that's a filter that every word should be sort of sifted through that filter of I want this to please God. Everything I say, everything that comes out my mouth, if I wanted to please God, this desire is like a GPS system that makes sure we're guiding everything towards the right goal. Whenever we set the wrong goal, for example, when we decide we want our words to be about pleasing ourselves, that's a short-sighted goal. Because many times, if we say what we think we ought to say and what we want to say, we can often carelessly cause a rift between important people in our lives. And it didn't have to be that way. So that's one goal. Now, second goal under this main uh, first point of holding our tongue is this. It's to build others up. That's one of the goals of all of our words. Look at Proverbs twelve eighteen. It says, There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So uh, sword thrusts are very, very damaging, and our words can be like sword thrusts. How many of us have been there and we have let it fly only to damage the people in the room, whether it's a spouse, a child, a close friend, um, you know, someone in, in church life, just, you know, someone on the job. And, and maybe we, we just thought, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a quick witted comment. But we realize it was hurtful and we see the look on their face and we see, wow, that really damaged them like a thrust of the sword. It pierced them. But the flip side of this is helpful. The tongue of the wise brings healing. What that means is just like around this time we wrap up gifts and we really work hard at, at how to, to, to carefully wrap up, uh, whether it be Christmas presents or, or even, you know, through the year birthday presents. You take the time and the care to wrap it, care, to wrap it, uh, to communicate care. Well, in the same way, how can we take the time to wrap a package of words that will encourage and bless? those who hear. So that's this first major area. You want to have a good year? Well, you need many good days where you hold your tongue. You use the tongue wisely. Second major area is this. Do good. Aim to do good. So look at verse, so Psalm 34 verse 14. Turn away from evil and do what is good. If you saw something evil, and and you knew it was, like, for example, a snake. I would call a snake evil. If I come upon a snake suddenly, uh, I, I turn away from it. I back away from it. I get out of that situation. I don't want to get bit by that thing. Uh, turn away from evil and do what is good. It turns out that doing good will bring us many good days. But this is complicated because there's all sorts of evil desires in our heart. You and I, we don't have to work that hard to come up with evil desires. We just, we gravitate towards different evil desires. And so, in order to do good, we have to first identify wrong patterns. Wrong patterns are those, those desires that really work against us being able to do good and please God. Uh, or even to, to do good and relate well to others. There, we have different patterns in our lives that block our ability to do much good in life. And so what God does is he uses the Bible to sort of scan our hearts and our lives. He scans what is right and what is off. And so, for example, Hebrews 4.12, take a look at this verse. For the word of God, speaking of the Bible, is living and effective. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Like it just cuts right through. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is what God's Word does. Is it scans our life. It cuts through and it, it finds uh, out where the problems really are. It identifies them for us. And God uses Scripture to do surgery on our hearts. And He uses His words to shape our perspective. And we can look at ourselves differently because of the grace of God. And if you understand what He thinks of you, that God loves you, then you're freed up to focus on what needs to change in you rather than trying to justify your life and justify yourself. You know, at work, relationships can grow stale. They can, they can get clogged up with problems. And so we can begin to look for another job. And we think, oh, good days will be found if I find a new job. And so you move and you find out it's the same thing over there. Relationships are, are struggling over there as well. Why? Well, it's because 
wherever you go, there you are. Often in life, we think the problem was with the environment, but there are so many times where the patterns in our life, that if we would change them, that would be the key to unlocking many good days. So I want to ask you to, to consider how might wrong patterns in our lives be what's hurting our progress towards our purpose in life, towards relating well to others? Another, another way we can find and identify wrong patterns in our life is, is friendships. Friendships with the right kind of people are also something that God uses to show us wrong patterns in our lives. It takes an intentional honesty to build the types of friendships uh, and to move towards people, but, but friendships can be a real help in identifying patterns that block our progress in life. Now, another important aspect of, of doing good is to sow seeds of kindness in the lives of other people. Look at Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Right now, with the division over a number of areas, it's very easy to get tired of doing good towards other people and being kind towards other people. But I have been so encouraged to watch people push themselves to be to be kind and to sow seeds of kindness as they have opportunity. Look at verse 10 there. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So it's doing the small things you can do every day towards people. Those are the seeds from which God will grow a blessing, a harvest of blessing even, in your life. And we can't do it all, but we can sure do a good amount of kindness towards the people in our lives. Now, here's the third area from Psalm 34. It's this. It's to seek peace. It's Psalm 34, verse 14b. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, quarrels in life will block your desire for good days. And I want good days, but if my relationships are are damaged and I just leave them damaged, uh, that will be a real problem. I'll hit a wall if I ignore damaged relationships. Marathon runners talk about running the race and then hitting the wall. The wall in a race is like they physically feel like they can't go any further. One guy said it was like, feels like an elephant jumped out of a tree and onto his shoulders and was making him carry him through the rest of the race. And many times in relationships, we hit the wall and have the same kind of feeling. And when things aren't right in our family or amongst our friendships or roommates, relationships with our coworkers, it can make the day feel very, very heavy. And so you want to think through, how can you pursue peace like what that verse is saying? If you want to have good days and build really enough days to say this was a great year, well, you're going to have to seek peace. But we need to be aware of the fact that there are some major barriers to peace. And four of them, quickly, I'll I'll address. The first is pride. Pride is something that is native in the human heart. It's something we're going to wrestle with all the days of our life. But it is a barrier to, to peace. So look at Proverbs 13.10. Arrogance leads to, to nothing but strife. But wisdom is gained by those who take advice. So pride keeps us from looking at our own part in the problem. It makes us think that our agenda and our thoughts are better than everyone else's and that our needs are at the top of the list. Now another barrier to peace is this. It's an ungrateful heart. 
Ephesians 4.32, very helpful summary verse. It reads, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And God's complete forgiveness of us in Christ, it should tenderize our heart. Because of what Christ has done to forgive us, we can let go of things that we wrestle with. And I thank God for that. He, he, can, he can soften our heart. That comes from gratitude. Recognizing what he has done, that, that allows us to, to pursue peace with others. God's, God's kindness is meant to lead us into a different outlook. Now here's another barrier to peace. It's payback. You see somebody doing something wrong, maybe to you or to others, and you think, somebody needs to make them pay. And you, you think, well, now I'm going to sign up for that job. Well, 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9 reminds us, Finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for in, insult. On the contrary, giving a blessing. Wow. Instead of paying someone back, you give them a blessing. You do something kind to them. It goes on, since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. This is the key to the good life. Learning how to be at peace with people, even our enemies. You know, we can easily get overtaken by the desire to make others pay. The fourth barrier to peace is blame shifting. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 3. He asked a great question. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? He's saying, you have this giant two-by-four coming out of your head of sin, and yet you're making a big deal about this little speck of sawdust in your brother's life. It's essentially due to the wall of pride, we tend to ignore our part of the problem. Jesus says we should question our own virtue first. Now, if I'm going to have a good day, I must sprint towards peace. And so those four bears need to be addressed. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 34, 13. Now, this verse is a play on words in this verse. The word pursue is a play on words to show us just how important it is to go after peace. For the Hebrew word for uh, pursue is, is the word that you would normally use when you're going to hunt someone down in order to pound them. Literally, to run after with hostile intent. And this shows us that to have peace, we must aggressively pursue it. We've got to sprint towards it. Now, if you pursue something else like payback, you're going to hit the wall over and over again. That's not the way to the good life or a good year. But if you push through the wall and you pursue peace, you'll find God's blessing there and things in your life, they'll, they'll go well. It's crucial whenever you have damaged a relationship or you're in a damaged relationship, it's crucial you do all you can to clear things up um, in order to to straighten out and to have peace. I know it's difficult, but it brings freedom. And it's crucial to work things out towards forgiveness with those who, who have wronged you. If you can let it go, then do it. Let it go. Forgive them. If not, then you may need to talk it out. Or if you, if you really have done all you can, then you can just say, God, I'm entrusting this to you. I'll trust you with it. I'm going to treat them right. Now, here's the fourth area. If you want to have a good year, you want to build a good year, it takes many good days of these, of these things. So let's just quickly review. Hold your tongue. Do good. Seek peace in this fourth, fourth area. Probably the most important. 
Watch your heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else. That's the most important. Above all else, for it is the source of life. There could be nothing more important. He's saying, above all else, guard your heart. Our heart plays a central role in our day by guiding our words and our deeds. Now, your heart is more than just uh, the organ pumping in your body. More than that, it is like the cockpit of your life. You know, here's a picture of a cockpit of a plane. And, and you know what the, the pilot sits in the cockpit and the co-pilot and they steer the plane. Now, your heart will steer the direction of your life. Everything in life flows out of your heart. That's why it is called the source of life. Everything bubbles out from it. All of our words, all of our actions. And just as the cockpit in the plane is sealed and reserved only for the pilot, you have got to seal off your heart. You can't just let everything in your heart. You have to guard it. You have to guard what you let into your heart through your ears, through your eyes, and just what you allow to ruminate, what you chew on in your mind. So what are you filling your mind with? What's consuming your thoughts? What are you taking in through your eyes? Now, now this is not just a matter of guarding against what gets in, but how can you take in more of God's thoughts and store those in your heart? Taking in God's word regularly, spending time listening to God through the Bible, it's, it seems it's so hard to build this discipline, but it's so rewarding. How can this year, how can you watch your heart by taking in God's word, storing it in your heart intentionally, working it over in your mind regularly, and then considering how to apply it. If you want to build a good year, but you decide to leave this piece out, you're missing what's most important. That's why this says, guard your heart above all else. You know, sure, I want, I want to encourage you to work on these other areas related to words and doing good and kindness towards people and seeking peace, but, but this is crucial. So how will you do this? in 2022 how will you watch your heart what i most have found helpful in my life for this area is accountability having people i'm accountable to in this area a couple years ago my dad and i actually began to text each other a verse each day from our quiet time and and this sort of served as accountability just also as an opportunity to connect together and to share insights from what we've learned but part of that was just to be a supporting each other in the regularity of our quiet time. And you might consider doing that. You might consider talking with someone in your life, being open about, hey, here's where I'm at in my time with God, uh, and here's where I'm at in my time with everything else I'm taking in. And I'm just going to tell you where I'm really at, and, and here's where I want to be. You know, to have that kind of conversation with someone may be maybe the best step you could take in 2022. It might be that that person could pray for you, maybe meet up with you occasionally. Maybe send a text that just encouraging you to be reading your Bible. Or maybe you could even be on the same Bible reading plan and be accountable to each other. Now, I want to encourage you as we sort of wrap things up to, to consider a next step today. First, pick a starting point. Maybe put this full list of four things up somewhere that you'll see it regularly. And then prioritize where you'll start. Second thing is take action. Take action and share that action with a friend. It's amazing. Again, it's amazing how helpful it is to do the Christian life uh, with other people, to link up with others who are trying to grow spiritually. And then third, 
invite someone to next Sunday's series launch. We're going to begin a series called No One is Immune. And we're going to be looking at when trouble suddenly strikes, what do you do? And so I hope you'll come. I hope you'll bring somebody with you. So let's pray as we wrap up. Father, we just thank you for our time together. We thank you for uh, the focus. Here we are carving out this time to hear from your word and to get the right perspective as we head into 2022. Lord, we ask you to, to work in our lives this year as we, as we, move, we move forward in these different areas. Lord, help us to, uh, help us to guard our heart above all else. Lord, help us to watch our heart. And from that, Lord, then may those, these other things flow. Lord, may we relate at peace and be at peace with people. May we uh, do acts of goodness and kindness towards others. And Lord, may we control the use of our speech. Uh, Lord, I pray for each person watching. Would you work in them and work through them, Father? And we commit 2022 to you. Would you work in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.